We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. We come to you on this Tuesday, the 16th day of June, brought to you by Casamigos Tequila, as always, brought to you by those who drink it. I just heard the news about Mike McCormick. Uh, You know, so many times we hear almost as we've gone through this crazy time in this pandemic, we've had so many uh, sports passings day after day. And Mike McCormick, you may remember the name, you may not. Good pitcher, not a great pitcher, but a, but a solid pitcher. Uh, pitched for the Yankees very briefly in 1970, uh, but was a, a guy who had one great season. That was in '67. Was a winning pitcher, you know, won 134 games over 15 years. Good, tough pitcher, uh, lefty pitcher. Not a great pitcher, but a good solid pitcher. Uh, you know, a good a good guy that if you you know you remember him if you watch baseball. You know, pitched for the Giants, mostly pitched for the uh, uh, Orioles, pitched for Washington. Um, like I said, he pitched for the Yankees briefly, but uh, ma- mainly a Giant uh, when you think of Mike McCormick. Uh, passed away at the age of uh, 81. Also, Phil Mickelson turns 50 today, and he has basically said no to the Champions Tour. Now, the Champions Tour, or the Senior Tour, has waited for Phil Mickelson. You know, they had hoped, you know, they, if you go back long enough with it, Jack dabbled with it, didn't really love it. Arnie dabbled with it, and they wanted Arnie so badly. They guys dabbled with it. And you've had guys make a career out of it. Longa's made a career out of it. Um, and he's won a lot. And he was a good player. Most of the time, the guys who have gone over and really done well with it are guys who are pretty good players. We're not great players on the tour. Um, you just don't see guys who have done as well as Tiger and Phil going over there uh, and doing that. And, and, and Phil has been very adamant about the fact that he is a PGA player, that he can compete, that he's still competing, uh, you know, that he you know, can still swing the club with anybody, gets great club head speed, hits it far, which is all true. Actually improved his distance in recent years, but can't hit it straight. That's the problem. He'll be two fairways over, uh, gets himself in a world of trouble. But he turns 50 today. He's had a great career. 
Uh, he's been a uh, wonderful golfer and an exciting performer. And, you know, he dreams of winning the U.S. Open, which he's finished second six times, and he's blown it a couple of times. And uh, he wants to come back and do it. The only problem is he's 50. The oldest guy ever to win the U.S. Open is Hale Orwin at 45. It's not an easy chore. And while I would love to see him do it, I just don't think he's capable of doing it anymore. As the better players get, the younger players get better and better. And as you look now, you're almost seeing a little bit of a changing of the guard again. Where these young guys now, they're pushing, they're pushing Dustin Johnson. They're pushing Ricky Fowler. You got these guys coming up now, and you know the guys you can depend on. All right, you still have Rory there right now, and I know DJ's not playing well right now, and Kepka's still the best player in the world, but he only cares about the majors. You know, Kepka's not in there to win every week; he just doesn't care. He wants to be—he'll be ready to play the big tournaments. That's all he cares about. Uh, and Tiger doesn't play enough now, but the guys you know that are there every week now are Shoffley and. Romer, if he's there, he missed the cut last week, but he'll be there most times. Uh, Thomas uh, is right there all the time. Um, uh, Cantley, uh, DeChambeau. I mean, you look this week as they go to Heritage. The favorite, Rory, 10-1. to 1. Second favorite, Thomas, 12-1. to 1. Third favorite, DeChambeau, 12-1. to 1. Um then you have the Rama at fifteen to one. You have Shoffley at fifteen to one. You have uh, Murakawa, and you're going to hear that name more and more and more. He's eighteen to one. Um, then you have Webb Simpson and M and Woodland, and then you have, believe it or not, Kepka at thirty-one because he just doesn't win these regular tournaments. He, he goes out there to to basically get himself ready to play. DJ's thirty to one. Hard to pass him up at 31, but he didn't look ready to play last week. He's 30 to 1. Um, give you an example. Day is 60 to 1. I mean, that's. And Fowler's, who never, you know, he just doesn't win enough. 35 to 1. We'll make a pick on this uh, tomorrow for Thursday. I'll give you a couple of long shots. I got one guy I love already at 60 to 1 this week. So I got a 60 to 1 guy I'm ready to give you tomorrow, but I'll wait till tomorrow for that. Uh, Berg was playing great. 30 to 1 1 last week. He's 30 to 1 this week, um, as is Kepka. So, got a good leaderboard. I mean, you'll have a good group of players. Should have a good leaderboard this week again uh, as they go to the uh, Hilton Head to the RBC Heritage. Tiger's not playing. Probably not going to play Little Jack's tournament uh, at the Memorial coming up. We're going to talk some uh, football with uh, Albert Breer in a couple of minutes, some football issues. But baseball, hey, you know what? I'm tired of. I'm tired of telling you the same things every day like everyone else is telling you about, oh, the animosity and the greed. and the, You know, we've all we said that, done that. Let baseball figure it out. If they don't figure it out, go home and get out of our face. Goodbye. Get, we're tired of, tired of talking about it already. You want to screw your sport up? Go ahead. You've already done lasting damage to the sport, I think. You know what? Go, go get lost. Please, leave us alone. Tired of talking about it already, you know? I, I, I don't have any feelings for either side. I'm not trying to blame one side over the other. I don't care. You know what? I'm not picking sides. The bottom line is they've messed it up dramatically. Uh, the nation needed them, and they weren't there for the nation. That's what it comes down to, and I hope they pay for it in a very, very big way. 
But what you're also seeing is the other sports are having a lot of trouble getting started. They really are. It's not an easy thing. Golf did it seamlessly, but golf works. What do you what do you got to do? You're outside. You got one guy. You got a caddy. Go play. Case closed. Not the same when you got a whole bunch of guys and you got to worry about them and where they are and how you're keeping them, you know, sequestered and how you're moving them around and who are they with and just too much. Not easy to do. And you know what? Players' heart, as you see in these players in football and in baseball and in basketball, as you're seeing guys test positive, you get the feeling a lot of these players, their heart's not in it. They're worried. And there's more news today about a steroid that might work, but you know what? You're going to hear that until it's, until it's true. But right now, they're just rumors. More rumors out of England this morning. I was watching CNN, uh, CNBC when it happened. You know, they were reporting that uh, a generic steroid actually had done some very good work in tests. We'll see. You know, keep your fingers crossed. We need something. If we want to get everything back to where it was, we need something in the worst way. Like I said, we're going to talk some football and a lot of issues going on there with Albert. But first, let me get the uh, baseball of the day out of the way with uh, Mickey and uh, Bernie. Uh, let's see. For Bernie today, we go to 6-16-2006. This is when Bernie's a little, well, let's be honest, he's past his prime. He's batting the bottom of the order. He's bat- playing right field. Uh, Yankees beat the Nationals 7-5. Bernie Bannock 7th, went 4-5 for five with three runs. Scored in two RBIs. He had a double and a homer. Um, 632-286, not bad. Uh, but this was, this was Bernie in right field. 2006, starting to phase down a little bit. Johnny Damon was in center. Uh, talking about last year, this was Mickey's last year. 6-16-68. Yankees were terrible. I mean, the Yankees were coming off the era. I mean, when you realize, you know, someone was talking about leadership and leading players to a championship, and they were talking about Mark Messier and him leading, which he is, he was a great leader, and leading uh, a team to championships. How about Mantle? Mantle, 51, he was a rookie, he wasn't a leader. DiMaggio was still there. Uh, But when you realize that Mantle plays his first 14 years and plays 12 years out of his first 14 in the World Series. I'm talking about leading. I mean, 12 of your first 14 years in the World Series, uh, that, that's, it doesn't get any more impressive than that. I don't know if anybody else in baseball history can, can claim that, that in their first 14 years they played 12 years in the World Series. I don't know if anyone else has ever done that. Maybe there was somebody on one of the Yankee teams from the 20s to the 30s or to the 30s to the 40s that could make that claim, but not many guys. Here was the Yankee lineup in 68, Horace Clark, and he is the symbol of that era, if you remember, batting first. Roy White, solid player, but again, uh, limited in left field. Mickey batting third, playing first base. Pepe was in center. Pepe was a good center fielder. Andy Costco. Remember Andy Costco, the big right-handed hitter and, and right? Tom Tresh was still with the team. He was the shortstop, batting sixth. Jake Gibbs, the old Ole Miss quarterback, was catching. Bobby Cox went on to, I think, a career you might might remember. Bobby Cox was the Yankee third baseman this year. He idolized Mickey Mantle. He played this year with Mickey Mantle. Um, Bobby Cox uh, played third base for the Yankees that year. Uh, And Fritz Peterson, who made a little uh, 
little noise himself was on the mound for this game against the Angels, which the Yankees uh, won with four in the eighth. And Mickey hit a home run uh, off Clyde Wright in the eighth inning. And their four-run uprising, it was his uh, ninth home run of the year. He had 23 RBIs. He batted, uh, this was home run number 527. It was number nine in the season, number 527 off Clyde Wright. And he was batting 238. He wound up hitting 236 that year. Um, And he wound up with 18 home runs and 55 RBIs. He had 923 at this point. Still had a 400 on base percentage. Even in 68, at that point, still got a 400 on base percentage. Why? Because he walked 100 times every year. Still walked then. He had two walks that night. They still were afraid of him, even at that point. All right, back after this. All right, we'll talk some football. Because baseball, listen, there's nothing to talk about. I mean, you know what? If they get us down, then call us. If not, just leave us alone. I mean, enough already. They've completely screwed it up. We know what the deal is. You know what? Move on. If they get a settlement, we'll know. You're going to send out a release. All right, let's get to some uh, NFL with Albert Breer. Albert, welcome. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Mike? All right, let, let me start with this, um, the mood of the NFL players. You know, we've heard so much about baseball, and we've heard a lot about the NFL, I mean, about the NFL players socially, just like we've heard about the uh, NBA players socially. But how about the basketball, uh, football players and their trepidation, as we've seen guys get sick, as we've seen Ezekiel Elliott, as we've seen teams get guys test positive, is there, are they gung-ho, or is there a lot of trepidation uh, amidst the ranks? Yeah, I don't think that there's a ton of trepidation. I, I think there's an acceptance that there are going to be cases, and I think the curiosity right now is more how they're going to be handled when we get to the season. And what I mean by that is, if there's a guy who's asymptomatic, um, and he tests positive, you have to shelve him for two weeks. You know, what What happens to him then? Does he go on a list or a reserve list? And then you're able to use his roster spot. Um, there are all kinds of logistical issues that, I mean, could affect guys down the line. Could mean more guys have an opportunity in the league because there's more roster churning because guys are getting sick. Um, so, you know, I think most of the questions, you know, you're, 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 you know the, the players have and the coaches have right now are logistical. And then, of course, like how locker rooms are going to work, how meetings are going to work with the limits on the number of people that can be in those situations. So, um, you know, right now, I think that's really where the big questions are. Um, they haven't talked money. The union and the league haven't talked money yet, so they haven't had a chance to fight over that quite yet. Um, you know, and as far as just the, the risks, I just – a lot of these guys have already been with their teammates, you know, so I think until they're faced with – you know, what the possibilities are when everyone's together in one place, um, you probably won't hear a ton from them. Albert, um, do you get the idea with the people you talk to that the league was completely behind Goodell's statement or whether anybody who didn't like the statement or was it, you know, pretty much uniformly throughout the league that everyone was behind the Goodell statement? Well, the owners knew it was coming. Um, you know, when Rogers said, and I believe that was on a, that Friday, it was a Friday, right? So, um, you know, the way that day worked, he, he had a, you know, regularly scheduled call, uh, with what's called the EEOC, the Executive Operating Committee. And, you know, the owners were apprised, you know, of what he was going to do. And it was pretty simple. It was, he was going to say what the players told him to say. And so, um, you know, I think, 
you know, there was at least, very least an understanding of what the, what the commissioner was going to do. And if he didn't have the, the, the owner, every single owner's, you know, blessing, he did have acknowledgement from them that, you know, go ahead and do this. Now, where it goes from here, I think you know, Mike, is an intensely local issue. Um, it's going to be less of a problem in places like New York and Philadelphia and Boston and San Francisco and L.A. Um, than it is in places like New Orleans and Dallas and Houston and just the reality of it, you know, because ultimately, and this probably is the way it should be, a lot of this is going to come back to the kneeling and the potential for demonstrations in September. And, um, you know, for, for teams in certain parts of the country, that's a problem not just with fans, it could be a problem with sponsors and everyone else. And so, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, if you ask owners in different parts of the country, they're going to give you a different take on what the commissioner did. But at the very least, it wasn't like he blindsided them. They knew it was coming. I hear two things about the NFL. One, that the NFL is still considering backing up the start of their season. And two, that they will only play two preseason games. Either one of those true? I think they're both in play. Um, I think the, 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 the cancellation of preseason games, it's something that's very much going to be in the discussion over there. And they didn't want to play four anyway anymore, right? They don't yeah, really want to play four. So, so here's the issue, though. Um, and look, like part of it is going to be you know when they can get the players to report. Like, so the players in the CBA have it where they don't have to report till 47 days before the season starts, which for most teams is July 28th. Uh, and the Joint Committee on Health and Safety is recommending a two to three week acclimation period, which would add a week or two onto the run-up into camp. And so they've got to find a way to create those one or two weeks is the problem. And so if they can't get the guys to show up early, well, then that backs the the schedule up, you know, a week or two. And that creates the issue. So that's where where you would be talking about. Do you think the feeling is – well, there's there's three things I've heard about. One, they don't think they'll be ready. But the other two things are, one, it's going to be a very contested time with playoffs and everything – early in September. Yep. Number two, uh, it gives them a time to back it up for them to get a therapeutic and then get everybody back in the stand. So it gives them, it, yeah. buy, it buys time. Plus, they've always wanted to play the Super Bowl in late February anyway. So from that right. standpoint, the October 15th schedule works for them pretty well anyway. Well, for, uh, here's, here's what I can tell you. I've 100% heard. I know for a fact that there are teams that want the season backed up now. Like, they, they would rather the league just bite the bullet right now and say we're starting October 1st or whatever that date is, right? They've right. got flexibility to move the Super Bowl back in February if they want to. To October 27th, yep. To, yeah. So I mean, to February 27th, yes. February yes. 28th, yep. Yeah. So they can do Whatever that. that Sunday is, yeah, February 27th, 28th, yeah. They've got the flexibility to do that. And so I think the point of a lot of these teams is why don't we wait a month We'll give our players time to get in shape. We'll give everybody a chance to get their house in order. We'll adjust to adjust the rules. And while all that's going by the, going on, by the way, Mike, we'll get a chance to see NBA, the NBA start back up. We'll get a chance to see the NHL start back up. We'll get a chance to watch what happens, some of the fallout from the European soccer leagues. Maybe baseball starts back up. I don't think it's bleak there. But, um, but it would give them a chance to kind of understand what's happening in the other sports as well. Not only would it buy time, you know, for the science to catch up, um, it would also, you know, create time for them to gather more information on what's working and what's not working in other sports. And so there are lots of teams that are for that. The problem is 
for one reason or another, the league office has been vehemently against it. And I, I, I don't know exactly why, but I can tell you that the pushback has been almost absolute from the league office to some of the teams that know we're starting the season on time. That might be, you know, a way of sending messages to sponsors and partners and advertisers that, that they're ready to go. Uh, but that's when the pushback is coming. It's, it, it's not coming from other teams so much as it's coming from the league office. Talking with Albert Breer about the NFL. All right, two players. I'll give you the easy one first, Cam Newton. What team is Cam Newton going to wind up on? And is the, is the fact that he can't get an uh, examination – a thorough examination, a big reason why he hasn't been signed yet. I think it's a, it's a reason. I think it's a like the fact that you know teams can't, the fact that teams can't get um, have their their doctor get his hands on Cam's right shoulder, or left foot. It's definitely a factor. Um, you know, you can put out all the videos you want. I mean, you you know, Mike, this is about the stability in the knee and the stabil- or the stability in the foot and the stability in the shoulder. And so until you actually you know, have your own doctors take a look at him, that remains a problem. Um, as for where he lands, um, I think it's going to be a team that has something go wrong, a quarterback. In, in the so you think he'll moment. wait till somebody gets hurt? I think so. Yeah. And I think it's, I, I think it's just, I think right now he doesn't want to go. And I know he's told people this. He doesn't want to go somewhere and fight for a be, job. Well, no, where he's going to be in like this mentor type of role, you know. Like, no, like, but how about him going to fight for a job? He doesn't want to do that either. Or that's you, you know. I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's so much. I don't think it's so much fighting for a job as it is like he wants to have a. He wants to like have like a, a reasonable path to starting and playing in twenty twenty one. And if he goes and commits somewhere now to going and playing a backup role, then that like you know then you know you know what you are then. Whereas if he waits. You know, July, August, you know, maybe a Jacksonville, a New England, a Denver, somebody like looks at their quarterback situation two weeks in the camp and say, this isn't what we thought it was. Or, like you said, maybe somebody gets hurt. So, you know, I think that like he would like to go to a place where there's at least some pathway towards actually playing in 2020. Um, and that's, you know, a major reason why he, you know, remains out there on the street and didn't, and didn't take any of the chances that he might have had over the last couple of months. I'm talking with Albert Breer. All right, this one, I, I said this a week ago. I will be absolutely stunned if Kaepernick is not on an NFL roster by Labor Day. I will be stunned. And the easiest place for him to go where there's already open arms is Seattle, but he won't play there. That's the only thing. He'll never, yeah. He's going to be behind a great quarterback, so he'll never play there. He can go right. you know, stand on the sideline. And Pete Carroll's almost already welcomed him, but he's never going to play there. Um, does anybody know? Let's be honest. Kaepernick went from having no opportunities to probably having 10 opportunities now. The question is, what does Kaepernick want? Yeah, and that's a huge question, you know, because um, – I mean, like, here's part of it. Part of it is, you know, this has gone from being a PR problem for teams to potentially a PR win for some team, right? Like, so. Oh, I listen. He's listen. He's going to come out of this being a hero. There's no question about. At least to a lot of people now. Maybe not to everybody, and I don't think it will be to everybody. But the point is, everybody has done a a lot of America has done an about face on Kaepernick. The league has done an about face on Kaepernick, and and he's going to get a job. I I will be stunned if he's not in the league this year. But here's what I'm saying: like, is that like if he views it as that, 
does he view that as patronizing, you know? And that's like a road you're going to have to go down. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he feels. You know, he, I, yeah, I understand. Does he thinks he's being given a job now is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then there's the other thing, which is, does, is he willing to go to a place on low money um, with a shot to make the roster? Because nobody knows what he is as a football player now. And nobody knows what he's going to wind up being as a football player if he gets into a camp on August 20th. Nobody knows. You know what I mean? Like, he could be great, like, or he might have just completely lost it. And I don't think any like, you know, hour and a half workout is going to show us the answer to that. Like, he needs to get to a camp, and we need to see it. And so, you know, like, is he willing to go to a place and fight for a job? And um, you know, I, I I think that I, I would love to see um, what becomes of him. He wasn't very good his last couple of years in the league. That's established, right? Um, you know, but he's still got ability. And you know, I I just I would love to see how this story plays out if he does get a chance to play. Um, I think it could be a really positive story for the league. I think it'd be a really positive story for some team, you know. And um, and one way or the other, I mean, we all remember what he was in 2012 and 2013. Um, you know, like when we saw sort of this offensive revolution, all the college concepts coming to the NFL. You know, he was he was the guy who was in the middle of that, and so. You know, I, I, I would, I just, I'd love to see if there's a second chapter to that and if there's something left. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of it's going to be, you know, sort of based on what Kaepernick was and, um, and, and whether or not what some of the trust that was broken 40 years ago between the league and Kaepernick and between the teams and Kaepernick can be rebuilt. You know, um, they always talk about, the jinx of being the Madden cover, right? So Lamar Jackson, the day he's the cover, right? He trips over a jet ski, right? <laughs> the, the, the same day. Yeah. It wasn't even like an hour later. But forget that. How about Jackson? I wonder what the team thinks, and I wonder what the Titans think when Jackson comes out and basically says, I got to admit, we didn't take them seriously. What? It's a playoff team. You didn't take them yeah. seriously? Yeah, and I... I um I mean, look, like, and Lamar Jackson said it after the game, too. Right? And, look, look, Lamar's handled himself great over his first couple of years in the league. Uh, this might be one he wants to take back. just because, And I don't think he meant it that way because um, they were such a full time performance of the year. But I think he looks at it like we didn't play our best. So, you know, but, 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 but the way hey, the other team off, had something to do with it. Yeah, the way it's going to come off, though, Mike, if you know this. Yep. Is the Titan? If you're if you're on the Titans right now, you're looking at that and saying, well, "Wait a second, like, yeah. you know, we went in there in the middle of January and won a playoff game against a team that was fourteen and two and whipped them, right?" And so, yeah. like I like I, you know, if I'm Mike Vrabel, <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm going and I'm going out and printing that printing what Lamar Jackson said. 90 times and handing it out to every one of my players. Just shows so, you that there's a lot of immaturity still in Jackson. That's all, you know? It's just, it's, it's just a little thing. And, you know, it's something he, I, I think it's something he can grow past pretty quickly, but there's no question. I mean, if you look at that, um, you know, I, I think the intention was we're, we were a great team and we, you know, and, and we didn't, show, we weren't at our best in that day. That's what he's trying to say. Um, you know, it comes out, though. As very much discrediting the other team that came in there and won a playoff game. And I'll tell you this: I have to admit, I am. I when Brady signed with the Bucks, I was like, all right, you know, so be it. He went, found another team. He has made the Bucks look so legitimate already; it is unbelievable. You know <laughs> yeah. that? I mean, he's almost transformed the team. I mean, yeah, he, it's amazing. I mean, I. I was like, I mean, it's amazing how they they just look like a different team now. 
Yeah, I mean, like, just instantly credible. Um, you know, and it, it's, it, I think so much of it speaks to the importance of that position and how that position sets the tone for the entire roster. And, um, you know, I, I, I it's I, like the players are want to be, it's like the players want to prove they deserve to be around them. You know, it's almost well, like, you know, it's, it's amazing. The reaction's been unbelievable on that team. And we do have, and we do have a comparison for it, right? Cause if you go back to 2012, when Peyton Manning showed up yep. in Denver, Yep. I, like, like how 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 much did the, the pe- way people look at Demarius Thomas change when Emmanuel Sanders there? How did like the way Emmanuel Sanders was looked at change? Like, you know, Akeem Talib's, you know, it, he comes in as a free agent, he bounced around. Now all of a sudden, he's a team leader. Um, you know, really, like a, what a quarterback can do, a quarterback can come in and 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 just by force of will can just change the way an organization looks and, and, and change the way a lot of his teammates are looked. And so I'll tell you what, like if I'm if I'm Mike Evans or I'm O. J. Howard or I'm Chris Godwin, I'm real fired up because I've got just an incredible opportunity right in front of me. You know, I saw the we're talking about Albert Breed, I saw that the Browns were negotiating a uh, a long term contract uh, with their troubled pass rusher, okay? And uh, is that cleared up now? Have we gotten any resolution? Because I just felt like, you know, how do we get to the bottom of his accusations or do we just forget about him and just, you know, you believe who you want to believe? That's a great question. I'm not sure where they're at on that because I, it, was a, it was a pretty heavy accusation and I know that they looked into it. I'm not sure where that stands right now. but And they're um, giving him a big contract, right? They're, they're, they're talking about giving him a big contract. To. They're going to, and I think part of it for the Browns now is because I mean Miles Garrett's a generational. Talent, hey, he's you know? a tremendous so, player, yeah. but he's got a bad temper, which maybe right. he'll calm down now. But yeah. hey, I I'll even I even understood the temper because a lot of defensive players have temper. But then yeah. to turn around after you don't say a word, and I went back and watched his interviews so, after the game, and the next day or two days later to come up with that ridiculous story right. and and try to de- de- basically destroy a guy's life. I mean that was you know unbelievable. But you know where it is, uh, Mike. Is it's it's a guy who was a super recruit coming out of high school, was the number one overall pick in the draft. Who grew up in that environment in Texas, where you know high school football players are like gods, and where they grew up, you know, and it's just—I mean—it strikes me as a guy who's sort of been able to do whatever he wants, you know what I mean? Like, and has sort of had this sense of entitlement. So, got caught in a tough spot and just sort of said whatever he needed to say to get out of it. it, it and it's possible what he's claiming is legitimate. I, I you know, I don't, I don't know. buy it for a second because he would have said he would have said it after the game. But it doesn't. But it doesn't look like. But 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 the thing still looks like it's very much. Up and now there. in this climate, that's even worse. Yeah, yeah. And so I mean, we'll see what happens. It's um, it's interesting too, Mike, because when you talk about that, when you tie this to the contract negotiation, if you think about it, if you're the Browns right now, like you are looking at a guy who's going to command. I mean, Coyle Mack, Aaron Donald, right? And listen, he's a he's a handful as a player. I mean, he really is. If you get him done now, right, maybe because he's a little bit low right now, maybe you get a little bit of a discount versus what you would have paid otherwise. I'm not saying there's a discount, but maybe maybe you get him in and you sign him uh, you, you sign him long-term for a little less than you would have to pay a year from now. If he gets his act together, has a great year, 
Um, because, you know, between now and next year, I mean, you could see Joey Bosa getting a new contract. You could see Jalen Ramsey getting a new contract. There are lots of defensive players that are going to command huge dollars over the next 12 months. And so the Browns can get in front of that and maybe take care of a guy right now before, you know, he rehabs his image before he gets back on his feet as a player. Um, you take care of him now. Maybe, maybe you get him under contract for a little less than you might have to pay a year from now. All right. What team are you hearing good things about, and what teams are you hearing bad things about? Wow, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think one thing that's under the radar, I really sort of have paid attention to what they've done the last couple months is the Falcons. And no one's going to pay attention to them because you have the Saints, now you got Brady and the Bucks in that division. Yep. Um, but what Matt Ryan has done to almost create like an off-season program for his guys that didn't exist, and I mean, I, Mike, I'm telling you, he's got a nine-week like program of field work with his receivers, um, with Calvin Ridley, with Julio Jones, with Hayden Hurst, who just came over from Baltimore, and with a new running back, and yep, and Todd Gurley's in there now too. Yep. Um, I with a lot like to prove. Atlanta, with a lot to prove. With a lot to prove. I sort of like how Atlanta's just lying in the weeds there. Raheem Morris now promoted the defensive coordinator. I think he makes a difference on that side of the ball. And so Atlanta would be you know, one team that I would. Okay. I would and anybody on. on the downside? I'm just trying to think. And let me ask you, too. Throw in, tell me, what are you hearing about the Jets and the Giants? Anything positive or negative? Yeah, I mean, I. Like I, I think the Giant for the Giants, this is truly a reset year, um, and you know, for for Joe Judge, it's going to be about like kind of a lot of guys in the league I talk to think the Giants are going to be terrible. Yeah, and I think that that's I think there's going to be a lot of this year. It's going to be sort of thrown overboard to sort of reset everything. And if you look at their draft class, Mike, almost every guy they drafted had some sort of connection to Joe Judge through a coach that he knows. Um, you know, Andrew Thomas. Well, Joe Judge worked with Kirby Smart um, at, at Alabama. Uh, Xavier McKinney, their second-round pick, he's a Nick Saban guy. Joe Judge is a Nick Saban guy. And you go on down the list, and almost every one of the guys had some sort of connection to Joe Judge. And that tells me he's bringing in guys he knows can be culture guys for him, and that this is going to be a reset year. And so I think this year is about two things. It's about establishing what Joe Judge wants from a program standpoint and then developing Daniel Jones. And, um, you know, so I, I, I think this, I think the Giants could be the type of team where it looks a little funny for the first four, six, eight weeks of the season, and then they get their act together late. Um, as for the Jets, I mean, I think that this goes without saying, but um, there's a lot of people who are in, in a position to have to prove some things this year, and in no small part because Woody Johnson is going to be coming back from the United Kingdom. Yep. Uh, probably by the end of the year. Yep. And... He didn't hire a lot of people who are in that building, right? And, and so, they'll be and they'll be leaving quickly. Yeah, and so I think that there's, I, I think for the Jets, this is this is quietly a very very important year. And they a did a lot of them. strange things too, bringing in an old running back. I mean, they did some weird things. They re- didn't address certain positions. Did address the offensive line. Didn't address certain yeah. positions. Brought in well, an old running back. I mean, they already had well, one. I mean, they're paying a ton of money to. So I think what you saw too, I mean, to some degree, is Joe Judge's or Joe Joe Douglas his acknowledgement in his first off season that they're a ways off and that they don't need to be doing things that'll put them over the top now because they're still probably an off season or two away. 
from truly being able to contend. And so, um, yeah, I mean, look, Mike, I think in the AFC East is probably the Bills and the Patriots. You know, um, the Dolphins, I think, are getting there. Um, and I think the Jets, again, I think they're still like about an offseason away. And, again, and if they don't show progress this year, we could see some changes. Who's the team that is going to be in front all year? Is it going to be Carolina that plays basically plays all kids and tries to get the number one pick and then Trevor runs. <laughs> yep, and that or is it Jacksonville that guts it and tries to get Trevor Lawrence? I think Jacksonville is definitely in play. They they drafted a couple of guys and CJ Henderson and um you know and in in Some people think Washington too, but I don't think Washington's gonna be as bad as everybody thinks. Well, I mean like in, in drafting like they so so you look at you look at the Jaguars. They drafted Chase on. He's a little bit of a developmental passer. They drafted Henderson, great athlete, was inconsistent a little bit at Florida, and so you know they've drafted some developmental guys. They they hung on to to to, to the idea that Gardner Minshew maybe could be the long term starting quarterback. And so it's not hard to see a scenario where you know they're fighting tooth and nail for their first win. You know, deep into the season. Um, because there are a lot of things that they're going to have to work out. Well, you're looking at Jacksonville. Carolina could really be in that in position Carolina, too. Carolina's roster is tough. I just, I mean, I, I, I like I do have a belief that Matt Rule is going to make them competitive. That might not. Mean he could lane. play all kids this year though and get away with it. Yeah. He could play yeah. a baby roster, play yeah. a uh, play all first year defensive players, and then yeah. basically go get his quarterback. Right, and then and you brought up the Redskins, and I think with them. With them, I mean, like, look, their defensive line is going to be very good. They've got problems elsewhere on defense. And then on offense, um, you know, they've got a lot of issues to work through. And so, I mean, they don't have a lot of tackle. Terry McLaurin, who's a fine player, is their number one receiver. Um, you know, and, and then at running back, it's Adrian Peterson and Darius Geis, who hasn't been able to stay healthy. And so I think you're going to see one or two things in, in Washington. Either Dwayne Haskins is really going to show himself, um, as having the potential to be a franchise quarterback, you know, or um, it doesn't work out that way, and maybe they are in contention for a you know a top two or three pick when we get to December. Well, you got a guy who's going to be can't miss. He's going to be the he's going to be the highest. I mean, he's going to be the most yep. coveted quarterback since John Elway. Yep, yep, and he's got and 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 look like he's not the only one either. That's the thing about this year is you got him. But you also have Justin Fields from Ohio State, right? But this guy's on the highest level. He's gonna. This guy's got a Hall of Fame grade. He's got a Hall of Fame grade. This guy. This guy is. This guy has got an incredible grade. No question about it. And I do think that it's possible we see some creative roster management in December among teams that are in contention for the first overall pick. But there will be the quarterback class for next year, at least early on, looks pretty promising to the point where. Everybody maybe wants the number one pick. Um, the bad teams are going to want the number one pick when we get to December. But there are also some nice consolation prizes there. Well, listen, good job. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, Albert, very much. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right. Albert Breer back after this. All right. A couple things. Uh, number one, tomorrow we'll preview the uh, golf, which will come your way Thursday uh, from Hilton Head, the RBC Heritage from uh, – from Hilton Head, South Carolina. So we'll do that tomorrow. The tournament will begin Thursday morning. On Friday, we'll preview the Belmont, which will be run Saturday. The Belmont card is Saturday. Um, so you can wager on it. Uh, it's a great card, but obviously you can't go to the track. No one can. There was a, a 
they had talked about letting some owners in, but they're not even doing that. So uh, nothing's open for anybody. So everyone has to watch it, you know, on television. Uh, but the Belmont will be run at a mile and an eighth. And if you're wondering why, you can't run the race that is now the first of the three legs of the Triple Crown because of the way they're set up. You cannot run the race at a mile and a half because if you ran the race, you would have had to train the horse to run a mile and a half in the last month. And then after that race, to actually get him to cut down in distance would be very difficult from a training standpoint. you rather build him up from a standpoint and have him go longer rather than shorter. So to cut back would be very difficult in that regard. Um, so they will not do that. Uh, and also, the Travers, when they get to Saratoga, will not be run late in the meet because it will be, remember, the Travers is three-year-olds, and it will be run in early in the meet so that it's away from the Derby because the Derby is going to be run, you know, on Labor Day weekend. So um, from that standpoint, and I'm not even sure how many horses that are going to go in the Derby will even go in the Preakness. The Preakness will probably be other horses. Um, and you've had, you've limited the uh, Belmont field behind there's been injuries. There's been some uh, horses that have been taken out for different reasons. We'll get into all that. Um, there's a couple of horses that have a shot, but obviously there's a heavy favorite in Tis the Law. Tis the Law is from the same connection as Funny Side. If you remember Funny Side, Tis the Law is also a New York bred. He's owned by Sacatoga Stable, which years ago had Funny Side. Remember the guys who were regular guys, who had a bunch of guys who threw their money in. And they got the big horse, uh, and, you know, he had his quest to run, you know, for the Triple Crown. He won the first two legs and then lost the third, uh, but he had a great run, uh, funny side did. And um, uh, now they have another horse called Tis the Law. And I was at Saratoga last year when he broke his maiden, and he was visually impressive. He was stunningly good. Uh, it, I was like, wow. I was like, Man, they got. I, I remember telling someone that they have another horse, and I've been watching him ever since, and he has done nothing wrong, and he has run like a horse that will be a major, major factor and could be very, very hard to beat. He's he's looks very impressive. Yeah, his lawyer looks special, he really does. Now, hey, you never know in these races, racing luck. Um, they're you know, they're living animals. They have good days and bad days, you know, aches and pains, you know. So it's not always that, you know, Secretariat lost on occasion. You know, he didn't always have his best performance. When he had his performances, he was unbeatable. But, you know, he had a couple of issues where he got into trouble in a couple of races as far as positioning. He also ran the Wood Memorial with an abscess in his mouth and uh, lost that. People were thinking he was going to be exposed, but he wasn't when he came roaring back in the uh, derby after losing the Wood Memorial. Um, horses, if they get sore mouths, they have a huge problem because they can't take the bit, and that's a big, big issue. So you never know with horses, and hey, we'll see what happens. But they do have the heavy favorite, but it's also a very good undercard. We'll get into some of that stuff. We'll have, 
you know, we'll go through the field. We'll have people on the, you know, to go through the races. We'll have, we do all the regular stuff. So that will be Friday as the Belmont will come your way a Saturday. As you get a little more sports sprinkled in, um, obviously golf has helped. Horse racing with the Belmont will help a little more. And as the other sports start to come back little by little, you'll have a little more of a sense of normalcy. We'll keep our fingers crossed that the uh, virus numbers in other parts of the country and how crazy is it to have New York have been so overwhelmingly the the hot spot in the world for months. And now look at our numbers and look at other numbers around the country. Just, just you know, mind-boggling. It really is how it has moved to other places in the country, and we have very little of it. Uh, we're, after being such, the, the you know, New York and New Jersey were at some point up to 40% of the cases in America at one point. That's how crazy it was. But that has changed radically. There's no question about it. Um, Casamigos Tequila, as always, brings you the program. We thank them for their patronage, brought to you by those who drink it. JJ, coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 